Today we're continuing our message series, which is called The Way of Love. And in this series, we're looking at God's commandments to his people in the Old Testament and how they apply to us today in the New Testament era. Jesus taught us that all of God's commands have to do with loving God and loving people, really the way of love. And today we're going to be talking about, uh, our message is called Worship God Alone. Worship God Alone. Now, as we study the Bible, the understanding of the meaning of words is very important. Uh, It's very important that we understand what God meant by the very words that he used in the Bible. And it's important for us to communicate God's truth with other people with words that they can understand. And when other people use words, we need to understand what they mean by the words, which is not always the same. So let's start today by looking at the word God. Very simple word, right? God. Worship God alone. In the Bible, the word God refers to the Lord God, refers to the one and only true God, refers to the creator of the universe. And there's only one of him. The Lord God has revealed himself to mankind in a number of ways. You know, how do we know anything about this Lord God? Romans 1 verse 20, you can follow along in the white page in the middle of your bulletin, says, for his, that is God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. And so this verse tells us that when we look at creation, all the things that God has made, all the things we see here on this earth, from the plants, the animals, the the very globe that we live in, people, we look at the, the stars, the sun, the moon, when we look at creation, we learn about God's power and about his divine nature. It's often referred to as general revelation. Every person on the face of this planet can look around and they should understand that there is a God. There is an all-powerful God simply by looking at creation, the things that God has made. Now sometimes God directly reveals himself to a person and we see a Bible is full of examples. For example, God revealed himself to Moses through the burning bush. He revealed himself to the nation of Israel. Sometimes God reveals himself directly to to people. A third way that God reveals himself is through his word, God's word, the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And so God has revealed things to us through the Bible that we couldn't know from looking at creation. This is often referred to as a special revelation. These are things for What is written in the Bible is for every person, but it's things that we couldn't understand just by looking at creation. God has revealed who he is, what he is like, what he has done in the past, what he's going to do in the future. That's all contained within God's word. Hebrews 1 verse 2 says, in these last days, and we are living in the last days right now, God has spoken to us by his son, that's Jesus Christ, whom he appointed to be to the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And so God has revealed himself most fully through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, when you look at me, you have seen the Father. And so we look at Jesus, the things he said, the things he did, we understand even more fully what God is all about. 
And so all of these revelations of God give us a, a very clear picture, a very understanding, very clear understanding of who the Lord God is. How he acts, how he interacts with people. And yet there are many other religions in the world that also claim to worship God. Do all religions therefore worship the same God? Many people say we all worship the same God. As long as you're sincere, it really doesn't matter. It's, you're all worshiping the same God. Well, the answer from God's word, the answer from simple logic, if you've ever studied comparative religions, is no, we don't worship the same God. Let's look at a few other major religions in the world. The Muslims worship a God they call Allah. But if you study their writings, you find out that Allah is completely different than the Lord God of the Bible. As is their understanding, of course, that Jesus is not God, which is one of the foundation things that the Bible teaches us. The Hindus worship, it's a little complicated, I'm not sure I understand it totally, but they worship Brahman through many gods and goddesses. There, there's a huge number of gods and goddesses, and it's all tied in with Brahman. There's nothing like the Lord God. Buddhists basically worship Buddha or his writings, his teachings, and they have other gods as well. Only Christians worship the Lord God and his son, Jesus Christ. So no, we do not all worship the same God. So our message title is Worship God Alone. So what does it mean to worship? Well, there are many aspects of worship. But today I'd like to focus on and define worship as surrendering yourself to God in every aspect of your life. And I take that from Romans 12.1, where the Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so this verse defines spiritual worship as presenting our bodies, which I believe represents our entire being, as a living sacrifice to God. Worshiping God, loving God with all our hearts, with all our souls, and all our minds. Worshiping God alone. Now God is the creator of the universe and the creator of each one of us. When he created human beings, he created us in God's image and he created us with the ability, in fact, the need to worship. It's inbuilt into each and every person. And so we see through God's word that everyone worships something or someone. It's who we are as human beings. We are created to worship. And as Christians, we worship the uncreated creator, the Lord God. The Lord God is the only thing that we could that we can recognize that is uncreated. Everything else that we see around us, everything else that we're aware of, is, it has been created by Him. So we worship the uncreated, created God. Everyone else worships something or someone that has been created, either by God or by man. We're going to talk more about that as we go on today. And so with this introduction, let's see what the Bible says about worshiping God alone. We're going to look at some of the very first verses of the Ten Commandments, which is really the way of love. We need to know that the Lord is God. Exodus verse 20, verse 1 and 2. And God spoke these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, 
who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And so the Ten Commandments were given to Moses and the people of Israel after they'd been delivered from slavery in Egypt. And they had traveled uh, and they were now at the base of Mount Sinai and God began to reveal himself to them in a number of ways, including giving them the Ten Commandments. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word translated Lord, usually in your Bibles, it's, it's all caps. We see it there in the verse on the screen, is the word Yahweh, which is the name of God. It distinguishes him. It sets him apart from all the other gods that were worshipped uh, in their world today and all the other gods that are worshipped today by other people. The Lord God had revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. He delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And now God was revealing himself to Moses, who came into his very presence and to the entire nation through the words that he gave to Moses, including these Ten Commandments. The first commandment was to have no other gods. Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, this verse does not mean you might, in the English, you might think, well, God just wants to be the first of many gods. I don't have any gods in front of me. But that's not really what it means. It's probably better translated for our understanding in the NLT, which says you must not have any other god but me. I'm to be your only god. And so to worship the Lord God, we cannot have or worship any other gods. If you are worshiping another god, you cannot be worshiping the Lord God. Uh, He demands to be worshipped exclusively. And as we follow the history of the nation of Israel, down through the years, they often tried to worship other gods and the Lord God at the same time. Uh, They would try to worship God and they have some idols on the side. And God completely rejected that type of worship. If you're worshipping idols, you're not worshipping me. So true believers must have no other gods. The Lord God is a personal God. You can know him. You can have a relationship with him as opposed to the other gods with a small g that people have. Deuteronomy 4 verse 39 says, The Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments which I command you today that it may go well with you and with your children after you and that you may prolong your days. If you read the whole passage in Deuteronomy chapter 4, we just don't have time to look at all the verses, but God speaks of his love for the people of Israel, his love for the nation of Israel. And it was his love that motivated him to deliver Israel from slavery in Egypt, to call them his people. And these verses here tell us that there are no other true gods. He's only the Lord God is a true God in heaven or earth in any other place. He's the only true God that created everything and he is the one, therefore, that we must obey. He is our creator. He knows what's best for us. And those who obey God's commands will experience God's blessing on their lives. In fact, they will experience God's blessing on their families throughout their days. As we'll see several times this morning, obedience to the Lord God brings blessing into our lives. And so we see that the Lord God demands absolute allegiance because he's the only true God. And this obedience is required because God rescued the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt. He brought them out to be free. 
In the New Testament era in which we live, God rescues us from slavery to sin. And he brings us into a personal, loving relationship with him. He wants, us to, con- he wants to continue to reveal himself to us through his spirit. And we honor him by building our relationship with him through worship. Building that relationship as we continue to interact with him by worshiping him. Worship is a huge topic. It includes obedience. It includes prayer. Everything we do in life that's dedicated to God can and should be an act of worship. So now let's see how the next commandment helps us to better understand how to worship God alone. God gets more specific and he tells us do not worship false gods. Verse 4 of Exodus 20. You should not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. And so in this verse, God forbids making images of created things, such as animals, people, the sun, the stars, fish in the sea. Now, as we go on, we'll see, why did God make this prohibition? Didn't he like art? You know, I mean, what, what, is, the, what is the thing here? Well, the prohibition against making these images was because the people of his day, or the people of that day, Indeed, down through history, the people of all days worship these images as idols, uh, as gods that had some type of power. And so God forbade not only the worship of images, but of created things as well, such as the sun, moon, and stars. I mean, the things that God created are, are incredible. They're awesome. I mean, the things that God created, even man in all these years cannot figure out how to create the smallest bacteria, not that that's beautiful, bacteria aren't beautiful, but, you know, or a tree or whatever, uh, beautiful things, we can't even come close to creating these things. They're awesome things, but they are created things, and they're not to be worshipped. Only the Lord God, the creator of everything, is to be worshipped. And so God made it very clear not to fashion things, to worship them as false gods, not to worship, when we, what do we call those things? We call them idols. Deuteronomy 4 verse 15 says, Therefore watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, when the Ten Commandments were given, out of the midst of the fire. Beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. And so when God spoke to the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai, or here referred to as Horeb, uh, there was fire on the mountain, there were lightning, there was thunder, everybody was scared to death. If you approached the mountain, you would be struck dead, and it was, it was just an awesome display of God's power. God allowed Moses to go to the top to actually um, kind of see God, not face to face, but kind of be in the presence of God, and he didn't die. He came off the mountain, his face was glowing for being in the presence of God. But this verse tells us nobody saw the form of God. Moses did not see him face to face. And no image can possibly represent God because he is beyond anything that we could create to to represent him or to worship. And so nothing must be made that would serve as an item of worship or an idol. I've already talked about that mankind has been created to worship And everybody worships something. So which is it easier to worship? 
something that's been created, a carved image or an invisible God. Well, people down through the centuries have always found it easier to worship something that they can see with their eyes, perhaps touch with their hands, rather than worship this invisible creator God. And that's why idols have been common. And they're still um, common all across the world. And we're going to talk about uh, what we deal with in America today. Oftentimes we think, well, worshiping in idols is kind of a primitive thing uh, in backward countries, right, or nations. We don't do that today. We're, we're more sophisticated in that. We don't have many carved images today in America. We do have an infinite number today of digital images, do we not? Digital images where people worship things. Probably the most prevalent idol today is people worship basically sex through pornography. Digital images, digital items that people see on their phones or monitors. Any person who's addicted to any sin worships that sin as an idol. It's something that has taken the place of the worship of the Creator God. And so people worship all kinds of things. Some do not have Images or carved beings or idols that set up, but people worship pleasure. They worship money. They worship power. They worship family. They worship hobbies. They worship themselves. They worship alcohol. They worship drugs. They worship other people. And the list could go on and on and on. Anything that we surrender our lives to anything that we worship other than the creator God becomes an idol to us. And these verses tell us not to create or worship false gods or idols. Not, we must not worship creation. Deuteronomy 4.19 specifically says, Beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the hosts of heaven you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them. Things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. So the awesome things that God created in the universe, and we're learning more and more about these things than people have ever known before through uh, powerful satellites and all kinds of things, and they are increasingly awesome. There's more and more things we don't understand about what's going out around out there in deep space. And the things in the universe have been worshipped from ancient times. People still worship them today in one way or another. Some people think their horoscopes dictate their future, the movement of the stars or what sign you're born under or those things. More and more people worship the earth as nature. I mean, some worship, I think it's pronounced Gia, which is the ancient Greek goddess of the earth. And more and more people are worshiping the earth. We're to be stewards of the earth, but the elevation of the earth as something to be worshipped is a form of idolatry. Extreme forms of environmentalism almost worship earth. We often hear the phrase, you know, Mother Earth, right? <clears throat> That's certainly not biblical. God is our Father. He's in heaven. The earth is not our mother. Uh, the Lord God is our Father and Creator. And so each of these idols is a false god and must not be worshipped. So in the Old Testament, we learn much about the sin of idolatry. The nations around Israel 
worship various kinds of idols. Uh, idols such as Baal, uh, idols such as Molech, idols, idols such as Asherah. And the worship of those idols involved many types of sins besides simply worshiping a false god. Oftentimes, idols were involved in human sacrifice, particularly Molech, was involved in human sacrifice of children to the idol. Many types of sexual perversion were associated with idol worship. And Israel was tempted to worship the idols of the people around them when they had close contact with or intermarried with, with uh, people from pagan nations. Generally, Israel tried to keep on worshiping the Lord God and worship the idols at the same time, trying to have the best of both worlds. But God says that simply doesn't work. He condemns any and all worship of idols. He must be worshiped alone. Now, if you are worshiping an idol, what power do idols have? And sometimes we think, well, you know, it's just how dumb, you know, how dumb to worship a something made of stone or metal and think it has any power. And actually, 1 Corinthians 10.30 and a number of other verses in the Bible tell us that when people worship idols of any kind, let's just think about some carved image or something, it could be idol of any kind, though they are in fact worshiping demons. If you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping demons. And so there is a supernatural power behind idols. And that power, well, there's a supernatural power behind all other religions that do not worship the one true God. And that power is demonic power. And so demons can give benefits to people who worship idols. And they do but they ultimately enslave and destroy those who worship them. And that is their uh, goal. So we must not worship false gods uh, lest we get ensnared in the devil's hooks. So let's look more closely at God's response to idols as we understand God's character. Ten Commandments continues in verse 5. You shall not bow down to them, idols, or serve them. For the Lord your God, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands. The problem with idols is that people worship them, they serve them, rather than the Lord God. God commands us not to worship idols. It's sin, it's iniquity. And here it makes it clear those who worship idols hate the Lord God. Again, a lot of things in the Bible are pretty much binary. You either love him or you hate him. You worship idols, you hate God. And those who worship idols bring a curse not only upon themselves, but upon their children down through the generations. If we love God, we show our love by keeping his commands, and then God will show his love and blessing not only in our lives, but through thousands of generations. I mean, just in, that's a huge forever, basically. God's going to bless us forever. Now, God 
two of God's characteristics that come out in these Ten Commandments is that God is a jealous God. We've already seen that. Let's look at it again in Deuteronomy 4.24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. If you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, so as to provoke him to anger, you will soon utterly perish from the land. And so God is a jealous God. Now, oftentimes we think of jealousy as a negative attribute. But jealousy also has a good side. God wants people to love him. He wants people to worship him alone, not turn away to worship idols. Think about marriage. A husband, in one sense, is jealous of his wife's love, or it could be vice versa. He does not want her love to go to another man. He desires their love to be exclusive. Uh, And that's a good thing. In the Bible, the worship of idols by the prophets, is often referred to as spiritual adultery or being unfaithful to the Lord your God. The results of being unfaithful to the Lord God, the results of worshiping idols, is that in his anger, God will cause the sinner to utterly perish. So God is a jealous God, but he is also merciful. Continues in verse 30. But when you are in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, speaking of God's judgment, we'll talk more about that in a minute, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. The whole passage in Deuteronomy chapter 4 is talking about what happens to the Israelites When they turn from the Lord to worship idols. The Lord promises they'll be driven from their land into exile, which is what happened. Where they're going to worship and serve idols. But when they repent, that's what these verses are talking about. When they return to the Lord God. When they again obey obey him, again worship him alone. God will be merciful. He will forgive them. He'll remember to show his love for them as he did to their forefathers who worshipped him in the past. And so God is jealous, and yet he is also merciful. And so the Lord God is our Father. It's when we disobey our Father, when we don't worship him alone, he brings punishment into our lives in the form of curses. These curses are the natural result of the worship of demonic idols. Whenever we worship an idol, we are worshipping demons. And Even when a person is under the curse of God for their sin, the door is always open to receive forgiveness. God's mercy is always there. All a person has to do is repent of their sin, put their faith and trust in Jesus as a merciful and forgiving God. But of course, the best path is to obey God and not worship idols, worship Him alone. Not only do we Avoid the curses of disobedience, slavery to demonic power. We enjoy the blessings of God in our lives and in our families. Our children, our grandchildren, and down through the generations. And so God encourages us in these verses in the Ten Commandments to worship Him alone. To worship Him as we talked is to totally surrender our lives to Him. To love Him with all of our hearts, all our souls, all of our minds. And when we offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice, it leaves no room, no opportunity to worship idols as we are 
completely focused on God. We must eliminate any temptation from idols from our lives through the Spirit's power. A life of worship to God involves all of our lives, every aspect of it. Oftentimes we think we come to church to worship and we're worshiping when we sing. It's a very, that's true, we are worshiping when we sing to God. But worship is a much broader thing. We're, we're worshiping as we're listening to and seeking to obey God's word. We're worshiping when we go home and are uh, loving and kind to our families. We're worshiping when we go to work and we're doing the best job we can at our workplace. We're worshiping when we serve in the children's ministry. Uh, we're worshiping as we serve God and do the things he calls us to do. We worship when we witness to people and tell other people about Jesus. Our lives are all worship. We worship when we give to the Lord and give to missions around the world. And we could go on and on. God wants all of our lives to be lives of worship, worshiping him alone. Now, to become a worshiper of God, to become a believer, we must take some simple steps that God's word tells us about. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we all have at some point in our lives been sinners. Uh, our relationship with God has been broken Basically, we've been worshiping idols of one kind or another. And so to become a believer, a worshiper of the true God, we need to admit that we've sinned and we turn away from that sin. We believe that Jesus died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead three days later and we commit our lives to serving him. We surrender our lives to him. All of our lives. Jesus is not just a ticket to heaven and then we can live Whichever way we want to, we surrender our entire lives to him. That's what it means to proclaim Jesus is Lord. Jesus is master. Uh, we surrender to him. So if you'd like to do that for the first time today, or perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to him. There's times we sometimes drift away from the Lord and we get lured away. And we begin to, our affections begin to go to other things other than the Lord. And it's a good uh, opportunity to recommit your life to him today. So let's bow our heads. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I encourage you to pray along with me uh, if you feel so led. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I basically have followed after some idols in my life. And I ask for your forgiveness. I turn away from those things. I want to worship you alone. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, took my sins upon himself, paid the price that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he's alive today and I commit myself to serving him as my Lord and Savior. As the one true God, the creator of everything. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for your commands in the Old Testament that are timeless, that apply to us today as well, to love you by worshiping you alone. We want to know you and not any other gods. Forgive us when we have allowed things in our lives to, to draw us away from you, to become idols. We pray that you set us completely free from any 
enslavement to false gods and their addictions. We thank you, God, for your, for your jealous love of us, that you care so much that you're jealous of us. You want us for yourself. And we thank you for your mercy that forgives. We pray that we would grow in total surrender of our lives to you in worship, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day of the week. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.